just a little bit under the weather. I'm going to go old school Pentecostal and keep handkerchiefs with me handy, okay? So, <laughs> um, Nicole was saying something about the pavement that was down here. I wanted to tell you, let me get my notes worked out here very quickly and switch pages. But um, she said something about I'm sorry, I just can't do two things at once. I try. I can't do it. But she was saying something about the, the pavement right here, and I, we're excited about that. And uh, they, that's just one of the things that we're doing at our church. But uh, they came to me and they said, Pastor Travis, we, just, we need to get started with the pavement. And where would you like for us to start? And I said, well, you know, out there in front of my office, when I come in every day, as I get out of my truck, it's muddy, and sometimes I wear boots, and my ankles get a little bit twisted when I step on the rocks. So I said, start down there around my office, if you don't mind. And they said, well, what about this area where the ladies get in and out? And I said, well, they all right. <laughs> don't worry about them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, th- actually, that w- that's the first area. The next area that they're starting is this over here. There's a massive parking area over here that they're going to start at next week. So there's a strategy behind it, and they're deciding these things. But I can't miss an opportunity like that to mess with people. So we're going to continue with this series, When Life Doesn't Make Sense. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless us as we dive into this message and speak to us wherever we need to hear from you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Look at your neighbor and say, I need clarity. I need, I need to be clear about things because sometimes life doesn't make sense. Our story last week as we began talking about Daniel, this series is about Daniel. We want to uh, hit a lot of the highlights of his life and some of his friends. But it began last week as the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel is invaded by the Babylonian kingdom and King Nebuchadnezzar. And the Bible says he goes in there and he conquers that city and he takes exiles back to the land of the Babylon, back to the land of the Babylonians. And what they did is they took a bunch of exiles and they left a lot of the poor, less fortunate people, but they took the elites, uh, the princes and the princesses and, and some of the people from the royal kingdom, brought them back and educated them and put them uh, to service for King Nebuchadnezzar. That's where our story was. Well, as his nation was being invaded, I'm sure that in this moment, Daniel was thinking that everything is lost. Think about that for a second. In one moment, in one day, everything as a young man, everything he aspired to be, everything, every future plan, every dream, I mean, growing up with a leadership mentality, growing up talented, growing up as a prince, knowing that you're going to be next in line for some kind of, uh, of government type of office, he sees it all shattered in a moment. I'm sure Daniel was probably thinking, this doesn't make sense. We are God's chosen people. We are God's favored people. What has happened? You ever felt like that in your life? Why in the world is this happening? I mean, I didn't sign up for this. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing, I'm laying down my life for my family. I'm, I'm doing, I, I'm trying to be the best husband. I'm trying to be the best wife. I'm trying to do the, those things and things don't make sense. In fact, it feels like insanity. It's almost like you're, you're driving through Crazyville and they're trying to elect you as mayor. You know what I'm saying? You ever felt like life was completely crazy? You ever felt like you got the short end of the stick on something? I mean, wait a minute. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. 
I'm Daniel. I'm living for God. I'm paying the price. I'm doing things that other people aren't doing. And this is happening to me. This doesn't make sense. Well, if you ever felt like that, I want to tell you something. You can learn a lot from Daniel. And what I want to do is I, I, I talked a little bit about how Daniel, in this part of his life, he decided that he would be true to God and he would be true to himself. And I'm going to come back to that here in just a second. But I wanted to just take a little bit of time and talk to you about three simple things that you can do and three simple things that we see in the life of Daniel. I call these three simple principles to remember when life doesn't make sense. When you don't know what to do, number one, when you don't know what to do, Do what you know to do. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. And I know that that sounds like an oxymoron. I know that sounds like, wait a minute, he's saying one thing and then he's saying another. No, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Daniel focused on what he could do and what he couldn't do. Right? And and this is, we're going to read more about this in just a second. But as we learned last week, he didn't focus on the things he couldn't control. But he focused on the things that he could control. Here's what he decided that he would do. He decided that he would figure out a way to live for God in a foreign land. Now he couldn't, he had no control over where he was going. He had no control over his future as far as they were going to decide this. He had no control over the fact that the kingdom that he was serving was a pagan kingdom that they didn't serve for God, that had idols and what. He couldn't control those things. I'm sure that he was stressed about the fact that they were sacrificing people and, 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 and they were living for, or they were serving these foreign gods and doing these things that were detestable that Jewish people did not do. He couldn't control that, but he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure out a way to serve God even in a foreign land. He didn't focus on the things he couldn't do. He focused on the things that he could do. Have you ever thought to yourself, I can't do this? A lot of times we think about when we're, when we're involved in a situation that we, uh, that's beyond our control, we think, I can't do this. But I want to tell you something. In every area of our lives, wherever it is, in every environment, if we feel powerless, there's always something that we can do. You can always do something. Look at your neighbor and say, what can you do? Well, here's the deal. No matter where you are in life, Even if you feel like there's something that you can't do, you can always do something. And you need to find out exactly what you can do. Listen, it's kind of like what we're talking about. I'm just using this as an example about building faith. A lot of people say, Pastor, I really wish that we had these surplus finances or whatever to give towards building faith. Don't worry about that. Worry about what you can do. Or not worry about, but focus on what you can do. Let me ask you this. If you can't give towards building faith financially, uh, Nicole was saying something. Did you? It was other service. It'll be towards the end of this work. That we're having a garage sale. Let me ask you this. If you can't give financially, do you have something at your house that you don't need anymore that you, you can give towards uh, the garage sale? Everybody say yes. Yeah. Everybody got stuff up in their house that they're not using that they can donate, okay? So you, you can do that. Look at your neighbor and say, I can do that. Let me ask you this. Can you show up when it's time for the garage sale a couple of days before and help us hang clothes for the garage sale? Can you do that? Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, I can do that. You know what I'm saying? We can always do something. Let me ask you this. 
Can you show up and, and help sell things for a couple of few bucks and, 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 and mess with people a little bit when they try to give you a quarter for something that's worth a dollar? I keep it for that. I'll give you a quarter. Well, it's a dollar. I keep it for that. Can you, can you do that? Look at your name and say, I can do that. See, it's, even if it's the smallest thing, we can always do something. A lot of times we try to focus on the things that, that we can't do. Stop focusing on what can't be done and focus on what you can do. Let me ask you this. See, here's the deal. If I would have... If I would approach everybody like this, say, okay, we're going to build a brand new facility over here. It costs about $3.3 million. We need some help. What can you do? If you focus on it like that, you say, man, we can't do that. If I would approach everybody and say, we need $3.3 million if the ushers will come. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's t- that's... But, but what you do is you say, okay, what can you do? Take what you have, and what can you do with, with what you have? I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit. Let me ask you this. Can you pray? Look at your neighbor and say, I can do that. That is the most important thing we need. And I know that that sounds like an obvious or a trite statement coming from a pastor, but I'm telling you right now, I have seen God move tremendously in this building faith program because people were praying. I take, on a weekly basis, I check in with our prayer team and I say, I need you to pray about this this week. I need you to pray about something specific. I guarantee you, I can put a financial number to how much money we've saved because we got people praying on a weekly basis for this. It is the most important thing that we, if saving money is the same thing as making money, God is answering prayer. Amen. Everybody can pray. You can always do something. You, uh, you can't change your spouse. Stop worrying about trying to change somebody else and th- start, start focusing on what you can change about yourself. A lot of times when something's going on in our marriage, we say, man, I can't do anything about this. There's always something you can do. Amen? There's always, and when you can't change that person, you need to look at yourself and see, hey, what can I change about myself to make this situation a lot better? And I don't need to get, we're going to focus on that in May when we're talking about relationships. I don't have time for that right now. Okay? There's always something you can do. So to go back to the beginning, you don't have to, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Number two, when all you have is a little, be generous with the little that you have. Daniel was not only generous and not only doing what was best for himself, but he was generous with his knowledge and his wisdom, and he was, he was generous with the people around him. He had a few friends around him that he would, he, he had a gift of interpreting dreams, and everything that he would do, he would take these, his friends with him, and I'm going to cover that here in just a second. But God has gifted all of us with something, and a lot of times we'll take a look at this situation and say, I can't do all that. Well, God is not requiring you to do the, the huge things that you can't do, but what he will do is he will take a look at the small things that you have and see if you're generous with the small things that you have. Let me give you an example. In John, the sixth chapter, the Bible says that there were 5,000 people that were listening, or there were 5,000 families, actually, who were listening to Jesus speak. And it was getting towards the, the end of the day, and these people were hungry. They were a long ways out of town. And, and somebody said, Jesus, we need to send these people out. They're hungry. They need to go home. And Jesus said, no, give them something to eat. And I believe it was Philip that said, even if we could take an offering and you know, feed all of these people, there's no time. And Jesus looked at him and said, what do you have? 
And what he said is, well, we don't have anything. Well, a lot of times when there is something tremendous for us to do, we will look at ourselves and say, well, I don't have anything but this. And because it's so small and so minor, we, we'll, we'll think that it's nothing. But Jesus said, no, what do you have? Because the reason he asked this is God, does ne- God never makes something out of nothing. He makes something out of the small thing that we have. So what do we have? Well, we don't have anything. Well, you have something. What do you have? Well, they found this little young man that was the only person out of 5,000 families that came prepared for the day. Where are you going, son? Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to go hear Jesus speak. How long are you going to be there? It's going to be all day. Well, let's pack a lunch. We're going to, we're going to pack you two lunches, two fish and five loaves. That's enough for two sandwiches, right? And then an extra snack in between. He was the only one prepared. Two fish, five loaves. Jesus said, what do you have? Well, we have a young man here. Well, here's the deal. This little boy had to be generous with his lunch, didn't he? He had to, I mean, he he had to say, oh, here's my lunch. Now, that seems like nothing to 5,000 families. It wasn't just, it was five, the the, the scripture says, talking about feeding 5,000 people, but that that was 5,000 men, which means all of them had at least one wife back in those days. And then they had a couple of kids. So this very well could have been 15,000, 20,000 people. And all they had was this little lunch. But this little guy said, you know what? I'll give my lunch. And as he gave his lunch, you know what Jesus did? And this is what he does. He takes the little that we have because we offer it up. And we say, you know what? I'm going to be generous with what I have. And he blesses it. And then he multiplies it. And he blesses thousands with the little that we give. Amen? So even if you have just a little bit, be generous generous with what you have. Amen? Amen. Number three, as far as simple principles, when you're not sure what is right, simply do what you know is right. It's confusing to me, too. When you don't know what is right, simply do what you know is right. You will find yourself... In environments many times when you don't know what is the right thing to do. Reference what you know is right. Let me give you an example. Specifically, young people, you will find yourself, whether you're in high school or you're in college, you will find yourself many times in environments that your parents warned you about where you don't know what is the right thing to do. But your parents probably have already told you the right thing to do is to leave. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you're in an environment where there's, there, there's no right thing to do. What is the right thing for me to do? Well, leave. That's the right thing to do. So when you don't know what is the right thing to do, simply do what, what the right. There's a lot of uncertainty in our world. And, you, and a lot of times you say, well, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Well, this I know is the right thing to do. So I will do, even if it's one thing, do the right thing. Amen? So here's what this looks like. To summarize, Daniel decided that he would simply stay true. Based on these simple principles, he decided that he would stay true to a few things. In Daniel 1 and 8, it says, But David was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. Based on the simple principles we, we just discussed, he was, uh, we are looking at Daniel's response to his situation. And we determined last week that there would be two things that he would stay true to. That, and we can follow his example. Number one, stay true to God. Stay true to God. Let me just review for a second. Stay true to God. What does that mean? 
What does God have to say about the situation that I'm in? What does the word of God, there's a really good chance that whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm faced with, whatever's confusing me, there's a really good chance that the answer is in scripture. The Bible says that no temptation, however you want to say it, no struggle, no trial has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, whatever you're going through, there's a good chance there's that over thousands of years that somebody has gone through something similar. A lot of times we think that we're the only person on the planet and the universe that has ever gone through what we're going through. I guarantee you, whatever you're, just because nobody's talking about it does not mean that there's not a huge demographic within the United States that are going through what you're going through. So here's the deal. There's a really good chance that the Bible has referenced this and we haven't read it. So the first thing that I'm going to find out is, I'm going to, if I'm in a situation where life doesn't make sense, I'm going to reference the scripture. What does God have to say about it? What has God already said about it? Amen? The second thing that Daniel decided to do is to stay true to himself. To stay true to yourself. What have I committed to do? Based on the resolutions that I have made, based on the things that I have decided to be. At the beginning of the year, I decided that I would be a better father. At the beginning of the year, I decided that I would be a better husband, that I would stay focused on my family, or I would stay focused on God. Based on that resolution, I'm in a situation where life doesn't make sense. I'm going to reference of whether or not I'm staying true to myself. Based on what I have resolved to do and I've decided to do as far as uh, at the beginning of January the 1st or whatever, based on my values, what I, as an individual, is it a good idea for me to eat the triple hot fudge sundae? You know what I'm saying? Is it, that's, that's a weird example, but what I'm saying is, am I being true to myself when life doesn't make sense? So those two things we talked about last week, and here's where I want to land today and spend a little bit of time. Number three, when life doesn't make sense, stay true to your friends. Stay true to your friends. And Daniel, the first chapter in the 15th verse, it says, at the end of 10 days, and let me just tell you where he's at right now. We talked about how Daniel decided to resolve to a few things while he was in Babylonian captivity what he told his steward, the guy that was in charge of him, he said, we do not want to eat pork. We're not going to drink alcohol while we're here. And this man said, listen to me, if you don't look healthy and you get taken in front of the king after a season, it's going to be my head. So I need for you to tell me that things are going to be all right. He said, listen, it's going to be all right. Just test us for a few days. Well, here's where we are. At the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating from the food assigned by, eating the food that had been assigned by the king. Listen to this. Daniel and his three friends. You know, there is strength in the community of believers. God will always, if you look around, God will always put people around you that are headed in the same direction, if you allow him to. Now, if you're just, Drop it in church and leave it and not trying to connect anybody. If you open up your heart and open up your mind to the fact that God wants to put people around you, there is strength in a community of believers. When people come talk to me, when people are going through the hardest things in their lives, and that's a lot of times what brings people to God. And when it brings people to God, a lot of times it brings people into my world. I'll say, listen to me, the first thing that I want to tell you to do is to start coming to church or start getting involved in a Friends Connect group. Surround yourself 
with brothers. Surround yourself with sisters. Surround yourself with people that are, that are headed in the same direction. Why? Because there is strength in the community of believers. Daniel was not alone. That's one of the powerful things about Daniel's life is that when he went into, I don't know what it was like when he was in, when he was in Jerusalem, but when he was in Babylonian captivity, God put these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God put those guys together and there was a strength about what they had resolved to do. There was an unusual commitment to him and his friends. Now, when I talk about this, when I, stay, when I say stay true to your friends, don't get this twisted because I'm not talking about being a better homie. I'm not just talking about, you know, being a good sister or whatever. I'm not just talking about being a good person. You know what? I need to be a better friend. That's not what I'm talking about. Specifically, here's what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about being true to the friends that God has given you, I'm talking about being faithfully committed to the advice and and to the accountability of the people God has placed around you. Let me say that again. When I'm talking about being true to your friends, I'm talking about being true or being faithfully committed to the advice and, the to, and to the accountability of the godly friends or the people that God has placed around you. That's what I'm talking about because God has placed people around you strategically and we need to see that. In Proverbs 18 and 24, it says, there are friends who destroy each other. Let that sink in for a second. There are friends, friends, People that like hanging out with each other, people that enjoy each other's company, people that met in high school, people that met in college, but them being together destroys their lives. Think about that for a second. There are friends who destroy, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. You know that, you know that there are friends that bring destructive activity into our lives. Amen. You believe that? Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your friend sitting next to you. Look straight back at me, okay? There are people that can bring destruction into our lives. Do you have a friend or two like that? Are you a friend like that? Daniel and his three friends weren't just buddies. Their destinies were tied together. God had a purpose for their lives together that would impact that entire kingdom. And we're going to read about that in the next few weeks. God had a purpose for their lives But part of what God was doing was bringing these four guys together. And here's the deal. Here's what we learned from this. We should see our godly friends as people who are assigned to us by God. Amen? We should see uh, the friends that are placed in our life. We should see that as this is a godly assignment. that, That I am assigned to this person and this person is assigned to me. And when you begin to do that, you won't take your godly friends for granted. Because God is, has knitted us together for a godly purpose. We aren't just friends. Why? What, what does that mean? Because we have a godly, earthly purpose. So much more than simply going to church together. God has brought us together to be the body of Christ. God has brought us together to be world changers. God has brought us together to build each other up. To walk through life together. We have, a, have a, an eternal destiny tied to us and God. I like that phrase that says that a friend sticks. A friend sticks. I mean, stuck like glue with you. You know what I'm saying? I like that word that a friend sticks. Look at your neighbor and say, you're sticky. 
Why? Because he has a purpose for us together. The friends that God has, has placed around us. If you think of the, when you really experience friendship, the godly friendship, the Bible says in the New Testament that we experience something called fellowship or koinonia, which is a spiritual bonding. That, the, that you can't experience with people that are unbelievers. There is a spiritual bonding. And Proverbs 27 and 17 says, As iron sharpens iron. Notice it doesn't say that cotton sharpens iron. Right? It, it, it doesn't say that polyester sharpens iron. In other words, there has to be a matching friction, a matching uh, um, a hardness that brings people together that they sharpen each other. A good friend sharpens you. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. There are two types of friends in life. There are friends that sharpen us and friends that, well, I, don't, I, I actually left that open because I don't want to say there are friends that dull us. It's not very good alliteration. But there are friends that sharpen us. They grow us. They challenge us. They make us smarter. They make us stronger. These friends you invest in. Amen? You invest your time. You invest your resources. You invest, you in, you invest your efforts. You invest in their lives. You invest their kids' lives. But the friends who don't sharpen us, we have fun with them. But at the same time, if we're not careful, here, friends that don't bring something to the table as far as challenge or whatever, the, the problem with that is that it's dangerous because it's so fun. And you can, you can have a lot of fun and still waste a whole bunch of time. And I'm not telling you you need to get rid of friends. Everybody's got friends. And if you don't have any friends like this, there's a really good chance that you're a friend like this. <laughs> right? If you're thinking to yourself, I don't have any friends like that. Well, let me tell you, let me just roll this out for you. (laughs) We just need to be aware. We all have friends, different kinds of friends. Here's the deal. Some friends are tied to our lives through activities. Some friends are tied to our lives through our kids playing softball or baseball or whatever, sports. Some friends are tied to our lives through, through seasons. We, you know, when we go off on vacation, we have friends that are tied to our lives through our activities. But God puts people in our lives that are tied to us for action. Not just activities, but godly action. We just need to know the difference because God has called us to make a difference together. Let me ask you something. What kind of friends are around you? Why does this even, why does he, this even matter? Because you are the average, statistics tell us that we are the average of our friends. Like we have friends that are up here as far as challenge. We have friends that are up here as far as capacity. Then we have friends that are down here that, you know, that are our good time friends. That after we hang out with them, we got to go ask for forgiveness for all the things that we did with them. Okay? And when I'm talking about we, I mean you. (laughs) I'm teasing. So we're supposedly right here in the middle of our friends group. So ask yourself... What kind of friends do I have? The second question you want to ask yourself is what kind of friend am I? What kind of friend am I? Do I sharpen you or do I wear you out? Do I bring you closer to God and his purpose or do I distract you from that? You see, it's not that we need to get rid of our friends that aren't pointed in the way of God. We want to reach them. Unless you, unless you are friends with sinners, you can't bring people like that to Christ. So we don't get rid of our friends. It's just that we need to be aware of the distraction that might, that might, take, place, that might take place of the friends that we have that aren't following God. Daniel's three friends 
were not fair-weather friends. They were top-notch, walk through the fire, literally, stand with you in godly purpose until we die. That's the kind of friends that were tied to Daniel, and that's the kind of friends that I believe that God wants to put in your life. I found out that some friendships have limitations the moment that I choose to follow Christ. Some friends have limitations the moment that you choose to follow Christ. And that's sad, but it's very, very true. Now, why is that? It's because you and your friend or your friends or whatever are moving along, and all of a sudden, you give your life to Christ. And what happens is you begin to take a different path. It's never that we're better than people. But it's just that we're different. What happens is it's kind of like we were born again. Now it's, I mean, we're, we're aliens, the Bible says. We're different, okay? If I, if I can just say it like that, that we've been born again and we've decided to take a different path. So there are things that you've resolved to do. There are things that you are, are, uh, you've decided to become. Once you were kind of lacking in the area of being a father, now you're focusing on being a better father. You're focusing on, focusing on being a better husband, whatnot. You're focusing on Bible study. Let me tell you something. You're not, nobody's doing Bible study unless they're living for God. Amen? Nobody's going to Bible studies. Nobody's getting an accountability person that helps them become a better father or whatever. Nobody's sitting down talking to mentors. Nobody's listening to, 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 to scriptures or, or sermons online if they're not following the path of God. But here's what's happening now. God is taking you to different levels. He's growing you as a person. Don't be surprised if God starts moving in, the li- in your life as far as financially. Don't be surprised if you start getting promoted at your job. Why? God favors his kids, right? You're a child of God now. God starts favoring his kids, and it just so happens that you're living in such a way that God can bless you. God blesses obedience. He doesn't bless disobedience, Amen. So don't be surprised how God takes you from glory to glory, from step to step. And, all this, and, and, and what happens is your, your friend's rolling along with you, and then you start taking a different path. And then they start looking at you and say, hey, you think you're better than me? You think you're better than me? You're all Mr. Whatnot. No, you're not. That's not what it is. You're just trying to become a better version of who you are because of what God's doing in your life. Now the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, and every time you take the wrong path, it's like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, yeah. It's different now. So here's the deal. It's not that you have to let go of your friends. It's just that your friends, don't be surprised if your friends don't begin to let go of you. Amen? And as followers of Christ, we're not just defined by the friends that we obtain, but we're also defined by the friends that we lose. And that's a, And if you just gave your life to Christ, this is not a very positive message, is it? <laughs> It's hard. There are some people, that, that, there are some people that, that you pray for them, but you let God work on them, and it's nothing that you're trying to do. It's just something, just a natural process. But here's the thing. God's wanting you to take a path and go on a journey. He's like, come on, man. I want to take you somewhere. Come on, man. I got, I got a place that I'm going to show you on this mountaintop that you've never seen before. And it's not like, hey, he can't go with you. It's not like that. It's that, that they let go of you. Because God's taking you to a brand new place that you've never seen before. And that's exactly what was happening with Daniel. Amen? I want to close with this. We need to see each other. We need to see our godly friends that God has placed in our lives as assignments 
They are assigned to us, and I'm assigned to them. We have a divine destiny together. In Daniel 1 and 17, it says, listen to this. God what? God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding. He gave that to them. He gave them a special ability. Every aspect of literature and wisdom, they started making good grades in literature. Imagine that. And, and God what? God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. And when the training period ordered, came to an end, you, know, you can see that. The chief of the staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. Go ahead. Next verse. It says, and the king talked to them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their Greek name. So they entered the royal service, and whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them how many times? Ten times. God gifted them. He found them ten times more capable than any other magicians and chanters in the entire kingdom. Daniel was there for the rest of his life. Based on his commitment and the commitment of his brothers in Christ, they decided to stay true to God, stay true to themselves, stay true to each other. And when that happened, God generously poured into their lives. That's what God wants to do in your life. When life doesn't make sense, do these things and see what God will do. Well, I can't do that. Well, God's going to step in and he's going to do some incredible things in your life. If you'll just do what you know to do, and it's very, very simple. It ain't rocket science. It's simple. It's so simple. Just do what you know to do. Stay true to God. Stay true to yourself. Stay true to the people that God has assigned to your life and see what God, even in a pagan country, even in the land of your enemies, even in a sinless job or sinful job, God will do incredible things there. You do what you know to do. Stick to the simple things. And God will gift you with abilities and promotions and things that nobody has ever seen before because you just stayed true. Amen? Remember that today. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and thank you for speaking to us. Wherever we are, God, whatever we deal with, whatever our struggle is, it's simple. We make it so complicated, but it's so simple. Not necessarily simple to do, but it's simple knowledge that we'll practice, God. You will move in our lives. So wherever we are today, speak to us in the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed, and you're thinking about some of the words that God is speaking to you about right now, maybe God is dealing with you. And this is not a matter of whether or not you're a Christian. It's simply a matter of, of God working in your life in one of these three areas. You can say, Travis, I had not been true to God in this certain situation. Life didn't make sense, and I can see that I wasn't true to God, or I wasn't true to myself, the things I resolved to. Or I lost touch with the people around me. They were telling me to go a different direction, but God is dealing with me right now, and I live for God, but there's some things that are happening in my life that don't make sense, and God is dealing with me about it right now, and I just want to agree with you in prayer. If that's you, I want to pray with you, and you can pray along with me. If you're seated next to somebody that you love, if you want to take them by the hand, because where two or three are gathered and agree in anything, the Lord is there, and we will have what we ask for. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's here. I pray, God, especially for those that are struggling 
with some of the things that we've talked about today. The enemy would love to distract us from our godly purpose and our destiny. But Father, I believe that you're bringing clarity into the lives of people today. That it's, it's not so complicated, complicated. It's just about being true to you. Being true to ourselves and true to the people that God has assigned to our lives. So right now, I pray that you will speak to every person wherever we are. Confront us. Challenge us. Change us. And do a work on the inside of us like never before and solidify our walk with you. Let us lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily traps us. And the path that you have chosen for us that lies ahead, may we walk forward in the blessing and the favor of God. In the name of Jesus, if you believe that, say amen. I'd like for you to continue to bow your heads. As your heads are bowed, I want to pray one more prayer. Nobody moving around, nobody looking around. This is a prayer between you and God. If you're here today and you can say, Travis, I'm not right with God. He is not Lord and Savior of my life. If you can say that or you can say, Travis, I have never, never surrendered my life to Christ. I've never asked him to be Lord and Savior of my life. Never have I done that. I'd like to lead you in a prayer. Or maybe for you, you can say, Travis, I've I've walked away from God. Once upon a time, I lived for God, but I walked away from God. And today, God is speaking to my heart for me to come home. And if that's you and God is dealing with you, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. I won't ask you to come down here. I won't ask you to stand. I won't single you out. I won't embarrass you in any way. If if you're here today and you need to make things right with God, I'll make it simple. Here's what you do. You just repeat a prayer after me. That's what we do here. But if I'm going to pray this prayer, I need to know that there are people that are serious about giving their life to Christ. So between you, me, and God, if you can say, Travis, I want you to enter me into that prayer. I'm going to pray with you as you pray. Just slip your hand up and slip it down. Can anybody say that? I see your hand here. I see your hand over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's me, Travis. I'm going to ask one more time. I'm not sure I saw everybody. I saw people over here. I saw your, your hand in the back. You can put it down. Anybody else? Just to let me know you're serious. All right, we're going to pray. And as we pray, if you lifted your hand, repeat this prayer after me to make your heart or to give your heart to Christ and to follow Christ. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I am before you today and I give you my life. Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life, to come into my life I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. As I confess them to you, I ask you, Lord, to be Lord and Savior of my life. I believe in you, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.